Hello, I'm Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm excited about another episode of our podcast. We started this podcast to highlight stories of faith and sports, and today I'm extremely honored and excited for you to hear my conversation with Tyrone Smith. I've recently connected with Tyrone. He played college football at Baylor University a few years in the NFL, and following his playing career, he started an organization called First and Goal, recently published a book called Outside the Huddle, which you'll hear a lot about both of those in this conversation. He has also served many years in ministry through the local church there in the Houston area, recreation ministry and student ministry. He's just got an incredible and powerful testimony. He's married, and they have three kids. They currently reside in Houston, um, and I just cannot wait for you to hear this powerful testimonies, powerful story of someone who recognizes his purpose in life and with that wants to use his story to impact students and schools through churches, through speaking engagements with the power of the gospel. So without any further delay, let's jump right into the conversation. So thank you for joining me today, Tyrone. Oh, man, thanks for having me on, Stuart. You bet. So let's start from the beginning. Um, you were born in Houston, but then moved to Missouri City. So talk a little bit about your childhood. Man, my childhood, man, when I think about it, man, um, it was definitely um, an eye-opening childhood. Man, I actually grew up in the inner city of Houston, um, here in Third Ward, and here, here in Houston, Texas. And the thing about it is, man, I had to just really realize, man, that I had, I had a lot to be thankful for in life because although I didn't, you know, although I wasn't raised in the best, the best circumstances or situations, um, my mom and my dad worked extremely hard. Mm. And by them working so extremely hard, man, it was a constant reminder, man, about, you know, knowing that life, that we have to be thankful for all things. Mm. And that drive and determination that both my mom and my dad had really has inspired me to do everything that I do, man, to make a difference in the world that we live in. So if you think about it in this capacity, my mom didn't finish middle school, my dad didn't finish high school. And wow. so my mom, yeah, my mom and my dad, they value education because they actually missed it. But yet at the same time, my mom, by her not finishing middle school, she was a janitor and a maid her entire life. So she was always doing physical work. And my dad was a truck driver. So my dad was actually like on the road a lot. And so here it is, you got mom working two jobs, you have my dad on the road a lot as a truck driver. I'm the youngest of three boys. Um, I'm a latchkey kid, you know, and I had to basically like persevere, you know, despite the fact that I may not have been raised in the best situation, but yet it reminds me each and every day, man, why I feel so driven to make a difference in lives of young people. Because I always think about myself and my position and where I was as a young man coming up in the condition that I actually lived in and was a part of. Wow. That's good. So, you know, we talked about a month ago and you shared a lot about your story and then, in, you know, reading your bio and kind of preparing for this, I, I read and, and, and you shared a little bit about this the first time we talked about using sports as an outlet to stay away from the problems in your community like drugs, alcohol, violence. So what sports did you play growing up to kind of stay away from that? Man, growing up, man, you know, of course, I've been a former NFL player. My sport of choice, of course, is football. Um, and I actually um, ran track as well um, as a student, starting in um, middle school through high school. But but my primary sport, man, was football, man. I was so um, enamored by the game of football, man. I would watch it 
um, every Saturday. I watched a college football game. Every Sunday, I watched a professional football game. And I would go out, go out and actually mimic the plays that I would actually see like on television. Um, I would even go as far as I would actually put um, toilet paper actually in my um, the front pockets of my pants to serve as my thigh pads. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so I was so taken, man, by the game, man, that I had like this overwhelming joy. But the thing about it is, people always wonder, Tyrone, why would you even consider playing football? Because they would always say, you're not the biggest kid. Mm. Um, you know, you're not the fastest kid. So why do you love this game? But I just had this fascination by, by, by the game of football. You know, I think it was more so the control chaos. Mm. You mean, you can hit somebody, tell somebody really hard, not get in trouble for it. I'm like, man, let me be a part of this game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So uh, did you play a lot in high school? Man, man, really, just the story with this story, man, before I even get to high school, Stuart, my mom didn't want me to play football. She said, man, you're my youngest. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to get injured. I don't want you to, um, anything that happened to you. So my mother, really, Stuart, she didn't want me to play. Mm-hmm. And my mom said, if you want to play football, you have to pay your own registration fee. So going back when I played Little League football, the registration fee was like $50, $60. And so what I did, I actually raised the funds to pay my registration fee to play football in the wow. sixth grade. So the summer going from the fifth grade to the sixth grade, I started my my first business, Tyrone Smith Cut Your Yard Business. <laughs> I was, I'm telling you, bro, I would charge you $5 to cut the front, $5 to cut the um back, and then $2 a sweep. You know, I didn't have no weed eater or anything, a blower. So I raised funds to pay my own registration fee, and I played for the Windsor Redskins here in Houston. And um, man, that that it was it was awesome, bro. We only won one football game, so we were like one and nine, but it was the best win ever, man. But that was my first experience in regards to playing the game of football. And the thing about it is, Stuart, the coach asked me, he was like, Tyrone, what position do you want to play? Stuart, I had no idea what position I wanted to play. <laughs> all I all, all I told the coach, I said, Coach, I just want to hit somebody. He's like, okay, so he had me playing offensive tackle and defensive tackle. He said, son, you're guaranteed to hit somebody every play. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, so that was my thing. And that was it for me, dude. So that was like the launching pad for my my career in regards to playing the game of football in the sixth grade as a small kid, man. But I was just driven by the passion and desire to have foot, football um, equipment on and just the hustle and bustle of the game. So, I mean, I wasn't the biggest kid, like I said, but I wasn't the fastest kid. So, um, sixth, seventh grade, played on the B team, eighth grade B team, ninth grade B team. Sophomore year, I played on the sophomore team. My junior year in high school, talk about high school, I played on the JV squad. I didn't play varsity until my senior year. So, I was only a one-year starter, man. And I was blessed and fortunate to play so well. My senior in high school as a, as a one-year starter, I had over 50 Division one offers. 50? Over oh, 50 Division one wow. offers as a one-year starter, yes. Wow. So with all those offers, I mean, what was the recruiting process like? So um, was it fun? Was it stressful? Uh, man, just think – so you, you got to think about it like this, Stuart. I mean, mind you, I was a one-year starter, so the spring going into my senior year, I think I really I received one letter from spring out of, at the spring ball because we had a lot of lot of guys at Willow Ridge High School, man, mm-hmm. that were high-caliber athletes. And so we always had scouts and recruits at our practices in the spring. And so my first letter I received, man, from Iowa State, man, I was like, I got a, I got a letter from Iowa State. I'm like, man, this is the college I'm going to. And I went to Iowa State, man, in December. I saw all that snow. I'm like, it's always as cold. <laughs> I'm going to rethink this. But 
going into when you think about the recruiting process, man, going to my senior year when I was playing playing football, Stuart, I was just playing the game, man, with passion and love. I didn't even know, Stuart, that I was being heavily recruited. Hmm. I had no idea. My our last game we played against Galveston Ball, um, and we lost the game against Galveston Ball. It was a very close game. A lot of the guys on the team were very emotional. And I wasn't emotional. And I'm not saying you can't be emotional. I'm not saying I'm not an emotional guy. I feel, Stuart, I wasn't emotional because I really gave my all in the football field. I feel I left on the football field in regards to giving my all. And I remember my coach, Eddie Bristol, walking by me after the game. He said, Tyrone, you will play football again. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And I said, Coach, why would you say that? Because I remember, Stuart, I'm a one-year starter. This is my first year playing varsity ball. Wow. My, my, my ultimate plan after graduating was going to the military. I was going to go to the Army hmm. because nobody in my family ever went to college, man. So college wasn't reality in my world. Nobody was speaking college to me. Wow. And so my coach said, Tyrone, you've been recruited by a lot of schools. I was like, really? And so, man, found out, man, I've been recruited by over 50 plus Division One schools. And so, going through that process was, of course, challenging because it was totally new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, my my parents had never went to college, and my parents had no idea what to tell me about college. And so, I had to lean heavily on my mentor, Dennis Brandley, who's the head football coach at Elkins High School in Fort Bend ISD, and my cousin, um, Kenneth Lee Percy. Um, he went to college. He was my uh, one of my first cousins, and he would kind of be a part of the recruiting process when coaches came by the house to meet me and my mom. He would be that present man to kind of help ask questions because, of course, it was totally foreign and totally new um, to me in that capacity. But um, I actually was planning a visit. I visited Iowa State, Rice, Baylor, Temple, and TCU. I visited Iowa State, and, of course, it was so much snow. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to make this move. I visited Rice. Um, I really was um, taken by Rice as well, but I want. I didn't want to be too close to home because I wanted to grow personally as a young man. Went went to Baylor, man. Uh, met Coach Grant Taft, man. Met the staff there at Baylor University, man. And I fell in love with the school. And I just felt like this was a school for me. And so while on my recruiting visit to Baylor University, I committed to Baylor. And I um I didn't visit Temple and TCU because I felt since I made a commitment to Baylor, and I told them I was actually coming to their school, I felt that. I shouldn't go visit any other school since I was already comfortable in the commitment that I made. So I didn't visit TCU and Temple, but I was thankful, man, for the opportunity um, that were um, bestowed before me at Baylor. So why, what drew you to Baylor? I mean, I, I know uh, my wife's a Baylor grad, so you know I know the the legendary Grant Taft and the yes. you know his excellent coaching. But beside Grant Taft, I mean, what what drew you to Baylor? Why why Baylor? Man, why Baylor, man? Just the man, the the environment, man. I mean, just the way everybody made me feel, the genuineness, the love, um, the family environment, the commitment, man, from the coaching staff. Um, everything I experienced on that weekend, man, it just felt right. You know what I mean? It felt yeah. right. And for me, it turned out to be right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually met my wife there as well. So I was just I'm true, I'm 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 indebted to Baylor University, man. Coach Grant Tab, one thing he assured me. When I was there, he said, man, you're going to graduate. Mm. You know, he said, you, you, you're going to come and you're going to play football. He said, but you're going to graduate. He said, you're going to be a part of a program, man, that would give you an opportunity. You know, what opportunities come out of this experience, only you will know based on how much you give of yourself. And so with the genuineness and love that he actually gave me and said to me and all that I received from others, man, I just felt it was a right fit. And to this day, um, I've never read a decision to actually go to Baylor University. So I love it. 
Wow. Sick of Bears. There you go. <laughs> so what um, what position did you play? I played cornerback. Corner. So you were yeah. there in the early early not ninety one to ninety five. Yeah. 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 Ninety one to ninety five. What was the team like at that point? Because I know I mean Maybe, ba- Baylor's had lots of, especially in football, lots of ups and downs. So what was the team like at that point? Man, the team at, when I got to Baylor, man, we were. Um, a solid team. You know, we had like a lot of seniors, juniors and seniors that were really strong, man. You know, they were all conference players, you know, all Americans, man. We had like some guys that were really had, really had a, a rock solid foundation there. Then of course you had coach Grant Taft, man, college hall of fame. Oh yeah. And so the program, man was, you know, was right. And I truly just enjoyed the experience. And so I, I was, I, I came on a team, man, that was established. And so the only team that was established, you know, we went to a bowl game, um, I true. I think we went to the Copper Bowl. We went to the John Hancock Bowl, and I think like in '92, Coach Grant Taft retired. Um, right after 20 years being there at the university, we actually won a game against Arizona, one of the top-ranked defenses in the nation at the time. And we actually um, um, sent Coach Taft out with a win man, at the John Hancock Sun Bowl. And so, you know, there was a transition. Um, there was a transition with, from Coach Grant Taft to Coach Chuck Reedy, which I adore Coach Chuck Reedy, man. He was my guy. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting um, about my time there at Baylor was that when I was there, um, Coach Scott Smith, who works at Houston Baptist University now as an offensive coordinator, he was my secondary coach. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the GA at the time when I was my freshman, his name was Coach Larry Fedor. He's now the head football coach at University of North, University of North Carolina. Yeah. And Coach Larry Fedor, man, he was a GA and so it was interesting, Stuart, man. I always work hard when it comes to playing a game of football. And my true freshman year, man, I was just a grinder, man. I'm, I'm just, Stuart, I'm working, I'm working hard. Because remember, I was a one-year starter, so I, I, I didn't mind putting the, the work and the energy in. And I played so well on the scout team when I was at Baylor that Coach Grant Taft going into the spring of my sophomore year, my second season, they moved me to wide receiver. And Stuart, they moved me to wide receiver, bro, because I played so well on the scout team wide receiver. And I was like, Coach, you moved me to wide receiver. I came here to hit people, not to get hit. <laughs> and so, man, I mean, true story, man. So um, I'm, I'm playing wide receiver my second year, man. Um, I'm not totally happy, but, I, you know, I'm taking, I'm doing it for the team. Coach Taft right. say, man, I want you to do this. Coach say, do it. I do it. And so Coach um, Coach Taft, he retired. I'm playing wide receiver. He retired. And Coach Larry Fedor, his first full-time coaching job was a wide receiver coach at Baylor University. Mm. Now, the year, the year before, um, he was a GA for the, um, for the secondary with Coach Scott Smith. And so all the wide receivers graduate, Stewart. All the wide receivers graduate. I'm the number one wide receiver going into spring. Coach Larry Fedor, this is his first job as a wide receivers coach. He said, Tyrone, we're about to make it happen. He's the number one wide receiver. I was like, Coach, I want to play wide receiver. He was like, what are you talking about? I said, Coach, I don't want to play wide receiver. He said, Tyrone, there are no wide receivers. I said, Coach, I want to play cornerback. He said, Tyrone, you're the number one, you're the number one wide receiver now. If you go to cornerback, you're going to be the number six cornerback going to spring ball. I say, Coach, I don't mind. I don't mind competition. I've been competing my entire life. So that spring, Stuart, I go to defense. I'm number six corner going into spring ball. Coming out of spring ball, I'm the number one corner. They say, Tyrone, you want right corner, or left corner? I say, Coach, put me at left corner because I'm right-handed. What I'm saying 
I wasn't afraid to work and commit to something, man, in regards to what I wanted for my life because I've always had to grind. And so I was thankful for the opportunity, but I know that competition builds character. Mm-hmm. And I was I was willing to compete. Um, Coach Larry Fedora, that's my guy. That's my boy. We talk, man, periodically as well, man. But um, I wanted to play defense, man. So I was a three-year starter, man, at Baylor, man. I was a captain, man, for two of those years, man. And I'm forever grateful and thankful, man, for the experience of how the universe has really been a blessing to me in my life. Yes, yeah, a great story of perseverance, hard work. Um, so after Baylor, you go on, you play for the 49ers as an undrafted free agent. So talk a little bit about that process. So, I mean, one-year varsity player in high school, you go to Baylor, have to grind it out, and then don't get drafted. So talk about the process of, like, an undrafted free agent and playing in the NFL. Oh, man. Man, Stuart, man, you, you pulling them in the day, man. That's good, <laughs> man. The thing about it is I've always had to work hard. So for me to be an undrafted free agent, man, I didn't mind, I didn't mind, you know, putting the work in. Because you think about it like this, Stuart, I was a three-year starter, but I was projected to be a late-round draft pick. Because here you is to be a three-year starter on Division One, the Division One football team, you know, you got to be able to play the game mm-hmm. in some capacity. But what happened to me my senior year, man, I actually slightly tore a couple of ligaments, man, in my ankle. And I had to miss half of my senior season. And now, mind you, I graduated from Baylor in four years. So my last year at Baylor, man, I could solely concentrate on actually going to the NFL because I'd already graduated the year before. Mm. And so I, I was taking grad classes. And, man, so to get injured my senior year, man, to miss half of the season, man, I was, like, straight broken. But yet, you know, San Fran 49ers, man, the general manager at the time, the White Clark, you know, a.k.a. the catch, um, he brought me in for an opportunity, man, to work out for the team. And as an undrafted free agent, when I went to the mini camp immediately after the draft store, by me being an undrafted free agent and by me not having like a lot of tape because I missed half my senior season, I had to sign a waiver. Um, I wasn't under contract, so I had to sign a waiver. That I would um, that I would waive any injuries on uh, any injuries that may occur because I was basically you know it was basically like a showcase for me mm-hmm. right and so they gave me opportunities to come and showcase my talent um, there in the mini camp immediately after the draft so I had to sign this waiver liability which I didn't mind because I wanted an opportunity and so I go through this opportunity man did I did pretty decent man I was really scared though you know you got you, know, you got Jerry Rice man you know right going one on one against Jerry Rice I mean you wow. know how do you handle that you know so you yeah. got all these you got Jerry Rice, Steve Young, uh, Terrell Owens. He was a rookie. We came in together. You got Garrison Harris, Ken, Norris, Dana Stubblefield, Brian Young, Burton Hanks, Tim McDonough, Gary Plummer, Chris Dolman, and all you know, four, four or five of the guys I played with in the Hall of Fame. Now. So wow. I got you know, all, I got all these superstars around me. So I was borderline like nervous every day, but I was still able to showcase my talent. And so there was another mini camp that I didn't attend because I wasn't under contract. And my mentor, who I told you about earlier, mm-hmm. Coach Dennis Brandley, who I connected with as an eighth grade. This is crazy, Stuart. Now, mind you, they're about to start training camp. Um, my wife had went to Olympic trials in 96 in Atlanta because she ran track. So we got back from the Olympic trials. I think training camp was about two or three weeks later. I went to the track to train because I did cross training. I did football workouts and track workouts. So I'm at the track, and my mentor, he like, Tyrone, you're not in a good mood. I'm like, Coach, man, I can't believe saying, friend, they want to bring me to mini camp. I was like, but they don't want to give me a signing bonus. Hmm. And he looked at me he like, Tyrone, he said, dude, you're an undrafted free agent. You was injured half of your season. He said, just because, they'll, just because they don't want to give you a signing bonus, don't let that 
you know, block you from this opportunity. He said, he said, Tyrone, you've been broke 23 years. Hmm. Be, be thankful for the opportunity. And that's all I needed him. Once he said that, man, I went to my agent, man, signed the contract. We faxed it back in. You know, we was using fax machines all the time yeah. back then. So we faxed the contract back in, man. The rest was history, man. But, you know, coach had my heart. You know, he had my love, man. And I'm glad I was open to hear what he had to say to me to really challenge me as a person, man, to let me know, number one, it's about being thankful, being grateful, and take full advantage of the opportunity. And so that was like my story, my journey, man, connected with San Fran, man, as an undrafted free agent, man, going, going the hard way, man. But I'm thankful for the opportunity that the 49ers actually gave me, man, and I'm forever grateful, man, to that organization as well as the ownership. So how many years did you play in the NFL? Man, I, um, a total of four years. I played mm-hmm. from 1996 to 2000. I was in Washington. I was, I was in San Fran from 1996 to 1998. Had a brief stint with the Washington Redskins in 1999. I played two off-seasons overseas in NFL Europe when NFL Europe was owned by Fox Sports in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, yeah, and I stopped playing in 2000, man, due to an unfortunate injury. Okay. So I have to ask you, when you rattled off all those names of the 49ers, was yeah. it, you know, that first minicamp, and like you said, there's Jerry Rice, there's Steve Young, there's Garrison Hurst, there's all these guys. Was it ever tempting to, you know, after practice to ask for autographs? No, man, I was never <laughs> – no, I, I mean, it's an honest question, but I was never tempted to ask for autographs. But I do remember in the locker room, the first minicamp, I'm at practice, and I saw Jerry Rice walking, and I'm, like, thinking to myself, like, wow, mm-hmm. that's Jerry Rice. But, of course, you dare not go and run up to him and ask oh, him yeah. harder, right. you know. But at the same time, man, I was just, like, you know, just just thankful, man, for the opportunity that was given unto me, man, to be playing for a first-class organization, to play with individuals, man, who are actually, like, in the Hall of Fame. Because, you know, Jerry Rice is in the Hall of Fame. Chris Dolman is in the Hall of Fame. Steve Young is in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You have other guys, you know, who may be considered in the Hall of Fame eventually at some point. You know, Ken Norton Jr., um, maybe possibly Burton Hanks, Tim McDonald, um, Brian Young. You know, you got Dana Stubblefield. I mean, you know, Terrell Owens. You know what I mean? So oh, to that's... play, you know, with all those guys, man, and guys who are that worked and did it the right way, man, just was a, a true joy, a blessing, and a dream come true. Absolutely. So – I mentioned in our intro about you being a man of faith and being involved in yeah. ministry. So at what point in your life did you realize that, um, you know, you needed that personal relationship with Jesus? Man, it, it, was, made, it was made crystal clear to me as an A-grade student, man, at Chris McCullough Middle School in Fort Bend ISD. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, one of my, one of my Key people, one of the key, one of the key people in my life was Coach Dennis Brand. I met Coach Dennis Brand as an eighth grader, Chris McCullough, and he would lead the Bible studies, um, huddles through Fellowship of Christian Athletes, mm-hmm. and he would he would lead these huddles before school each day, and he invited me out. To, he invited me to come out to a, a huddle, and he like, Tom, I want to come to our Bible study, Bible study, huddle, before school, like at six thirty in the morning. I was like, Coach, man, that's too early, bro. <laughs> and he was like, man, we have free donuts and orange juice. And I had no idea that free donuts and orange juice would change my life, man. And so I went to this FCA huddle, man, um, enjoyed the mess, enjoyed the word, but I was truly challenged and convicted, man, in regards to my walk and my journey, in regards mm. to being who God had called and designed me to be, man. And so at that moment, I really connected with, you know, the scripture, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, that reads, trust the Lord with all your mm-hmm. heart. 
in all your ways and knowledge him, for he will lead your way and direct your path. So in regards to my own personal journey in life, I realized that God was with me despite what people said. I had to be willing to persevere by trusting, believing, and knowing that he had a specific purpose and plan and mission for me in my life, despite what others said, felt, or thought about me as a person. I didn't have to trust. I had to believe in him. And so, man, once I caught hold to that, man, you know, I mean, I was keyed in, man. So as an A-grade student, I'm actually redirecting my life, man, in regards to recommitting my life to Christ, to fully live unto him, to be who he's calling, created me to be. Wow, that's awesome. And then... You know, and I know that followed you through college and, and the NFL because you then True. have served in ministry and local church. And so at what point did you feel like, you know, God was calling you to work in vocational ministry as a, um, with, in, in the local church? I knew, man, that I wanted to give back. Mm. You know, my mom and my dad were both givers. It was nothing growing up in the inner city of Houston for me to get up in the middle of the night and be a homeless person eating in our kitchen. Mm. And I, I knew as a sophomore in high school that I wanted to create a program and platform to impact the lives of young people. I knew that when I made it to the NFL that when I stopped playing the game of football, I would use the NFL as a platform mm. to um, give my give my testimony, my story, my life, my journey unto others to let them know how, how Christ has been instrumental in my journey. And I knew that the NFL would be a launch. I knew back in 1999, that God had a specific purpose for me that would be manifested outside of the game once I no longer played. Because when I was with the Washington Redskins in 1999, um, Daryl Green, who played in the NFL for 20 years, he and I were good friends. And I remember him leading a Bible study, and the, the title of the Bible study stood was um, Knowing Your Purpose. He said that God has a specific purpose for each and every one of us. He said, guys, I want you all to think about something. He said, what if you get hurt, cut, injured, or released? What is your purpose in life beyond the game? Mm. And, you know, that story resonated with me. So here it is a year later when I got injured where I actually fractured and broke my T5 vertebrae. And when I fractured and broke my T5 vertebrae, man, and went through eight and a half months of rehab, man, I realized that there was a specific purpose and plan that God had for me outside the game of football. And so I knew at that moment, man, I was going to use the platform as a former NFL player, man, to impact a lot of young people for Christ and any other who was willing to hear my story, my life, my journey based on different things that I experienced. So when I made that transition, man, from the NFL, I started my nonprofit organization, First and Go Eat. When I made the transition, I was actively involved at my church, um, the church where I was, mm-hmm. my pastor and friend, Dr. Ralph Douglas West, where my wife and I started um, engaging the church and working with the youth ministry, working with the sports and recreation ministry, man. And that was a launching pad in regards to my connection, in regards to fully working and engaging the church at my church. I'm a member of, to this day, the church where I was. Wow. So, wow, yeah. that's uh, my wife and I lived in uh, Washington, D.C. That's actually where we met. We lived there in 95 to 2000. So when you mentioned Daryl Green, that was – um, as a sports fan, he is my all-time favorite NFL player, not just because of the obstacles he overcame to be such um, a success on the field, but, yeah, just his life off the field was just – I was able to hear him speak a few times in Washington, and I tell you, I, I've never met or never heard very few men that can speak um, and share Jesus with the power that he can. So I'm, that's awesome. Yeah, man, he's, a, he's an awesome guy, man. He's an awesome guy. Yeah, and you're talking about somebody that can really, I mean, has made a difference in a community. I mean, he's really, for years, has um, played a major role in 
um, impacting the inner city of Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah. So so you mentioned briefly just now your first and goal organization. So can talk a little bit about that and um, kind of what programs um, does the organization offer today? Oh, uh, man, so with First and Goal, Inc., man, we do uh, quite a few things, man. And the mission of First and Goal, Inc. is to provide the necessary tools, resources, and outlets for you to be effective members of society. Mm. So I basically, um, I created First and Goal, Inc., man, to really connect with young people where they are right now in their life, to really help them understand and know what it means to become a better version of themselves. I truly feel and believe in life. We all We all can make some changes. But when you think about the hearts and minds of so many young people, they have a lot of learned behaviors, a lot of unaddressed issues that they actually need to deal with. And so through First and Goal, Inc., we actually have a program called the Care and Share Mentoring Program. And through the Care and Share Mentoring Program, we actually speak with students in a group setting. It may range from talking about choices, decisions, purpose, self-awareness, setting goals, comfort resolution, how to be a leader, mm-hmm. how to stay inspired, um, college readiness, college preparation. And so we primarily work with students in a group setting that may range anywhere from 12 to 22 students in a group setting. And we pretty much just really challenge them to the core, but at the same time, address, address any unaddressed issues that may be holding them back from reaching their greatest potential. So through First and Go Inc., we have quite a few different programs that we actually operate under. Our primary program is our current show mentoring program. Um, we have a team program, um, Total Empowerment for Academic Motivation, where we do general assemblies. Um, we do leadership conferences and camps. We do college readiness-based programs. We do college, um, take kids on college tours with various campuses and schools that we work with here in the greater Houston community. And so we've been doing the work, man, for over 17 years, and it's truly been an awesome journey and ride. I mean, we work with multiple school districts and organizations, um, ALEAF ISD, HISD, um, SIFAR ISD, um, Aldi ISD. We work with um, Harris County Youth Services Division, Harris County Community Youth Development, um, in various colleges and other community partners to really just challenge young people to be the best best version they can be through multiple program platforms that we offer as an organization. Wow. So you mentioned you're in all these uh, different schools, So, um, and you've also served in student ministry through your church. So what would you say, um, in your opinion, be the greatest challenge that's facing our students today? Man, I, w- I would probably say maybe one of the greatest challenges actually facing our students, man, is themselves. Mm. You think about that. If we can, if we can be intentional and open and genuine and real to let students know they need to get out, get out of their own way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I believe that's the first thing because you know so many students are keyed into what other people say, think, or feel about them as a person. That's right. So many, so many students are worried about what other people say, think, or feel about them on social media. Mm. But but they have to but they have to get to the point and realize that it's not so much about what other people say or think. It's about you being true to yourself. And if you can be true to yourself and get out of your own way and recognize your great power, passion, and potential, it won't it won't matter what other people say or think. So what we try to do is really change the mindset and outlook perspective of the young person. Let them know number one, you gotta value who you are. And whose you are, you know who you know whose you are, right? You know what right. I'm saying. Amen. If you value if you value who you are and whose you are, understanding and knowing that God created you for a specific reason, and then get out your own way, I believe that's the first step. But of course, you know you got church and state. So when we go in the school setting, man, we really try to get to the core of just really getting you to really look beyond just what they see. 
mm. and get to the heart of circumstances and situations. And so, but you know, at the church, man, it's about, you know, being even more intentional, man, to let the youth know, man, that God designed them for something specific outside of the circumstances and situations, struggles that, that they may be dealing with and going through. Because in life, we all have a story. We all have a testimony. I'm a living testimony, man. If you get to a point in trust and believe and know that God has called you for something greater than what you are, man, and just honor him in all your ways, as it says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, man, that's half the battle. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it, the thing about it is it's having like a, a strong accountability system. And I truly feel and believe that through the work that we do at First and Go Inc., we, we have an accountability system with these students that we do work with. At the work that I do at the Church Without Walls as a student minister and leader over the Ignite Student Ministry, we have an accountability system, man, in regards to a discipleship model. With me and all the other leaders, we're trying to make disciples of our youth, man, to be unashamed, to give God the glory. But to give them the glory, you have to make sure that you're keyed in and, and that when you say yes, your yes means something. When mm. you say yes, your yes means something, you're not so worried about what other people say or think. You're worried about your yes and your yes meaning something for you in your life. That's good because I know a lot of times, I know as a parent of a uh, middle schooler, you know, we always, in conversation, we focus on, we talk about the greatest challenge of our students. We always look at yeah. outside influences. But that's good. That's a good reminder that, hey, it's really um, to encourage our students to look look internal. Yeah, that's what it's about, man. You know, because we're all here for a specific purpose. Amen. And the key is, once you recognize your purpose, man, it's a lot. It's a lot more easier to operate in life. That's not to say you're not going to have problems, circumstances, or situations that you're going to have to deal with. But when you recognize your true purpose and meaning in regards to why you're designed to be here on earth, it's easier to operate in regards to how you function, how you flow, how you go, and how you operate despite the obstacles and despite the roadblocks. And that's the biggest thing. Just trying to trying to let young people know they have a purpose here on this earth that we live in. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's very good. So you have you talked a lot about your organization. Um, you also recently published a book called Outside the Huddle, also yeah. a journal to go along with the book. So talk about, you know, kind of the journey to write the book and the main, you know, what's your main message in that book? Man, my, my main message, man, in the book, man, is really, and really my journey. Well, first, my journey in actually writing the book. I mean, I, I do so many speaking gauges. Um, store in regards to different churches, schools, community groups, and organizations. And I would typically go and do a presentation. And I did a presentation one year, and somebody said, "Man, he ever thought about writing a book?" And I was like, "You know what? That's a good, that's a good question. I never really actually had thought about actually writing a book." And so what I decided to do, I said, "Let me go and actually write a book to establish a book in such a way where I can kind of get people a piece of me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and so the book is titled Outside the Huddle, Steps to Develop a Game Plan for Life, where I talk about eight practical principles I've applied in my life going back to the fourth grade student up until now and how I've actually applied these principles to my life and how they're relevant principles that anybody can actually use, but yet I get re- real-life examples of how I've applied the specific principles in my life, where I talk about purpose, planning, process, pitfall, people, practice, pausing in life, practicing, and progress. So I have all of these eight practical principles that I actually apply, and then there's actually a key perspective and takeaway at the end of each of the chapters that actually challenges you as an individual as you, after you read the chapter to see what can you do to apply the principles to your own personal life. And so when I was actually writing the book, I was talking to my wife. I was like, man, after doing this writing, because, man, Stuart, I never would have seen myself as an author or a writer, number mm-hmm. one. 
But then after writing the book, I was like, man, I think it'd be cool to write a, a journal companion to go alongside with the book. Mm-hmm. So the journal, the journal companion can go along with the book or without the book. So it's 56 days of writing where you mm. can actually find your purpose and create a plan for your life. So I have a journal that goes along with the book. And by the way, thank you, man, for ordering both the journal and the book. And oh, so it's absolutely. actually, it, and so, you know, I'm back in the country now, so I will be signing all the books. I signed your book. I actually put all of them in the mail, man. So, but it, but it's been a true joy and a blessing, man, to actually have a piece of work, um, that I have that'll be there, man, um, that'll be with us, man, for a lifetime and where others can read about my life, my story, my journey in a more inti- intimate and specific way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, l- I look forward to reading it. Um, so if somebody's listening right now that is interested in you maybe speaking or um, wants to get a copy of your book, how would they contact you? Uh, man, they can actually con- they can actually um, contact me. Um, we have an office. Our office phone number is 713-571-9121. Or they can send an email um, to um, get a request from my assistant, Darla Dawkins, at info at tyronesmith24.com. So it's I-N-F-O at T-Y-R-O-N-E-S-M-I-T-H-24.com. And um, they can request me or they can go to my website and request me to speak a book as well. My website is tyronesmith24.com if they would like me to speak at a church, a campus, a school, or a community group. That's awesome. And I encourage, you know, anybody that's listening to go check out his website, learn more about him and and his organization, and um, order your copy of the book And um, because this guy is, I mean, making a huge impact in Houston and beyond. So, um, definitely go to tyronesmith24.com. So we've, you've mentioned your wife um, quite a bit through this, um, through our conversation. So, and in talking to you, y'all are still um, involved in your local church, um, serving, not just um, attending a church, but, you know, I'm just sitting here looking at um, and listening to what all you got going, First and Goal organization, the writing of the book, and all these speaking engagements, but yet you still work and serve in your local church. How do y'all balance um, all of it? You know, your family, your marriage, serving in ministry, and then the organization. How does that, um, how do y'all find the balance? Man, one of the, one of the things that my wife and I, Mike, like what we try to do, we try to be intentional to make sure that we actually um, balance our time in regards to, number one, all that God has given unto us our family, our church, and our programs, and other outside opportunities that actually come about. And so each week, man, we're intentional about how we plan our week out. And we know some days are going to be stacked where we're, we're kind of like grinding it out. You know what I mean? We understand that. But we're intentional in regards to like our family time, our our um, times and moments where we actually go out and have a date, just Monica and I each week. Um, I make sure I, I, I set my schedule where I can attend um, Tyler's baseball practice, TJ's swim practice, and I, and we're intentional about what it is that we actually have going on. Because when you think about ministry and work, man, and being givers, because we're givers, man, mm-hmm. there's always going to be something to do. There's always going to be something to pretty much work towards and actually support. So we have to make sure that we're open and honest about what it is we actually have on the calendar and on mm-hmm. the agenda, and make sure that we plug plug times and moments in where we actually have that quality family time. And so. I said to say this, if you don't make it a priority, it won't be a priority. So That's what we right. do, we make we make it a priority in regards to everything that we actually have going on. And so, you know, I'm I'm preparing for a podcast. I'm actually going to be launching in January. So now there's one other thing 
that relates to the bigger picture in regards to what we do. So now I have to factor in my um, time. So actually recording and laying everything out for the podcast. I'm going to be releasing in January. But at the end of the day, I have to make sure that my family is a priority in everything that we do, because I can't be no good to my own family if I'm giving to everybody else's family. So I got to make sure I actually balance that out, man, and be, and be real with myself. And there are moments of times, man, where I have to say no to obligations or appearances, what I try to do is really balance everything out um, and have Monica kind of help me kind of strategize and plan as well because she knows everything just as much as I do in regards to the, the capacity of the work that I do as an individual. Mm, that's a good reminder. I mean, even for me personally, you know, yeah. uh, involved in, in in ministry and having three kids and, you know, they have their activities. Just, yeah, that's that's a great reminder is just to be intentional um, because, yeah. yeah I have to always tell myself, yeah, if I'm not present for my own family, then I'm doing no good to anybody else. So, Right, right. Very good reminder. So we have um, a pretty large following of student-athletes that listen to it because one of the main purposes uh, when we started this podcast was just to share stories of faith and sports to encourage coaches and student-athletes. So what advice would you offer um, a student-athlete that is – you know, pursuing athletics, but also is a Christian and maybe struggling to live out their faith, you know, because it's no secret that um, in the schools today, it's not as, um, you don't see as many people taking a stand, but athletes have a platform that very few people have, right or wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. athletics as a platform can be used for good or for bad. So what advice would you offer that student athlete that is really wanting to be bold on their campus, but maybe feel alone? Man, just just no man, and for the student athlete to be bold, man, just to recognize and realize and know that, you know, put your faith in action. It's about, you know, knowing that God has designed you for a specific reason. And once you truly realize, recognize, and understand and know that, man, you know, be unashamed, man. It's about knowing who you are first and foremost, and knowing who you are. And knowing that God has given each and every one of us a platform and a spirit influence to use. It says in Matthew 5, 16, to let your light shine before men. Mm. So we're all called to be an influence. And if you understand and know that you made the decision to live your life for Christ and you said yes, and your yes means something, be true to who God has called and designed you to be. Not everybody's going to agree with who mm. you are and, and who you stand for. But at the end of the day, if it's something that you believe, man, be unashamed and operate in it. And be be the voice, you know what I mean? Mm, be the good. beacon of light, you know what I'm saying? Be the hope for the hopeless. And know that, you know, you have the capacity to actually make a difference in this world that we live in, despite your age, despite your gender, despite your race, despite your nationality. God has given us something. And when you believe that, man, to God be the glory. So it's about being true to you and actually putting your faith into action. That's good. That's a good reminder, whether you're uh, a student athlete or 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 not and whether you're alone or you're around a lot of believers is yeah let your light shine yes. and don't worry about what other people think and i know that's easy to say but yeah. um but that's what that's what god calls us to do and so we have one last question that we ask everybody that's ever on, on our podcast it has to do with uh, being all in because the name of our organization is all in sports outreach from colossians three seventeen. no matter what you do word or deed do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what we, anytime we have a sports camp or any type of event, that's what we tell um, the students that attend is it doesn't matter um, whether it's in sports or at home, in the classroom, at work, 
no matter what you say and everything you do, you need to, number one, give it your all, and number two, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. So yeah. um, you've covered that topic quite a bit in this conversation, but yeah. is there anything else that um, you'd add that, you know, maybe what it means to you personally in your walk with Christ to be all in? When I think about my, when I think about my walk with Christ to be all in, I understand and know, man, that God has given each each and every one of us an opportunity. But in that, being all in for him, man, knowing that he's given us a talent, a tool, a resource, and an ability. Mm. And when you're all in, you're going to maximize opportunity. When you're all in, you actually recognize and know that God has designed you for a specific purpose and reason. And when you understand your specific purpose and reason, there's no problem with you being all in because you realize and you know and once you realize and know, remind yourself each and every day, will you be all in and will you be intentional about being all in based on the fundamental principle alone that we're here for a mission? And if you be intentional about living your mission out loud in regards to being who God has called and created you to be, you'll be all in. And being all in is a mindset. And being all in is about being who you are and who you are 24-7, trust and believe in knowing that God has designed you to be all in. That's good. That's a great way to kind of close out the conversation. Um, that's excellent. Well, I've enjoyed it today. Um, so thank you for joining Tyrone and sharing a little bit about your story today. Oh man, thanks for having me, Stuart. Man, it's truly a blessing, man. You reached out to the man, let me to allow me to be a part of your platform, man. And I just ask the Lord to continue to bless you richly, man, for your work, for your love, and for your passion, man. To just uh, spread the love as well as a story. Awesome. Well, I know I've been encouraged just by this conversation and just by um, watching from from afar what you're doing through um, your platform and just being bold. And um, we've covered a lot in the conversation from, you know, starting back in childhood all the way to today. Um, and just know um, that I'll you know, we'll continue to pray for you as well as God continues to open new doors through uh, writing and speaking and now launching your own podcast. So uh, we'll continue to pray that um, God would use those opportunities to um, point people to Him through your story. So thank you again for that and just know we'll continue to pray for you. And and lastly, we always want to thank the our listeners, the folks that faithfully listen to our podcast and we ask you to continue to share them with family and friends, and we love hearing feedback. We love hearing from you, so if you're a Facebook user, you can go to just type in All In Sports Outreach, and um, you can communicate to us through the Facebook page. You can stay in touch with everything we have going in Selma and Dallas and now Trustful, or if you're a non-Facebook user, just go to our website, allinsportsoutreach.org. Um, again, find out anything you want to know about us and communicate with us that way. And um, again, we thank you for listening. And until next time, thank you.